Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy here with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Merry Christmas Eve's Eve to you, J.D. The holiday season right around the corner. That's yes, very, up. very, very excited about the holiday season. And it was a little Christmas early for Syracuse football in some ways and disaster in others. Yeah, 15 presents under the tree so far for Dino Babers and company with National Signing Day this past Wednesday. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll also take a look at what's going on in the world of basketball for SU. Some some good wins so far in the early going, but we'll get to all of that. Again, this is being recorded on a Thursday night. We don't know the outcome of the St. Bonaventure game, but we're going to take a look more at the road ahead for Syracuse basketball, regardless of the outcome against the Bonnies. And then we're going to talk with Kadir White later on in the program. He's now the number one recruit in this class of 2018 for Syracuse, so we'll get his thoughts on this new added pressure of this role and all that and a little bit more. That's coming up at later on in the show. But first, let's just talk about National Signing Day. Overall, impressions of it. First of all, let's start here first. It's an early signing period, and we heard Dino Babers talk about this in his press conference. He likes it. He likes how this is in December as opposed to February because he now has the ability to lock up some guys that he thought maybe they'd trickle away if they got a couple extra months to ponder that decision a little bit. And basically, I saw this on Twitter. The big power fives hate this. They're going to hate this early signing period. Meanwhile, the middling teams like uh, like a Syracuse, the middling power fives or like the lower level power fives, they love it because they can still get some of these bigger guys. And then you get to the low outside the power five, like your Mac, your A10 teams like that. They love this because this is going to keep their programs intact and keep their recruiting classes intact because they're not going to get poached by these bigger teams. Here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that it makes all that much of a difference. Really, all this is doing is pushing the timeline up a couple of months, pushing it from December or pushing it from February to December. If Power Five teams really want to try to poach talent away from the likes of Syracuse, the likes of MAC teams, things like that, then they're just going to do it during the summer rather than doing it now. I think I really don't think it it might avoid some of these situations a little bit more, but at the same time, I just think it pushes the timeline up. We saw that with Tyrone Sampson. Yeah, well, before we get to Sampson, uh, just off of that though. I do think that this is a lot different because, keep in mind, these guys are still coaching now. A lot of these these bigger Power 5 teams, so a guy like Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, they can't necessarily go out on the road and recruit. they got to practice. they got to well, get ready for their bowl games. But listen, if they're as good a recruiters as they're, as they're all cracked up to be, then they should have guys that they should be able to delegate right. and go send them out. I understand that they're playing in bowl games. they got maybe other priorities, but I just, don't, I just see that all this is doing is really pushing the timeline up. It's not really... It, it does anything. to a degree, but I think, I mean, you're focused, too, on your bowl games. You're not 100% getting your foot in the door in recruiting. You've got, uh, you still have to take care of business with the team at hand because at the end of the day, that's the product you're being uh, paid to produce. And for a guy like Harbaugh, a guy like Nick Saban, I think they care a lot more about these bowl games. And especially when you're in that college football playoff conversation, 
That, that's when you really need to focus in on stuff like that. And I think that's, that's why this, the statement that I saw on Twitter is pretty accurate because you got these lower-level Power 5 teams, they're all in on recruiting as soon as the, that final weekend in February hits. I understand that the CFP teams might be a little bit more focused, but honestly, who cares what happens in the TaxSlayer.com Gator Bowl? <laughs> who cares about the... There was some bowl today. It was like the Mowers Gasparilla Bowl or yeah. some... <laughs> That's I don't a game even, we could play sometime. Just is it a try real to bowl try to name not? all the bowls because no, 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 we can just throw out bowl names and see if it's real or not. Because some of them are crazy. So yeah, you want to win. You want to win the postseason, whatever your postseason might be. But at the same time, you want to build a winning program that's going to win for years to come. So I think that yeah, they're focusing on the bowl games. But if these programs are as stout, if these programs are as big, if these programs are as as successful as they kind of make themselves out to be, then they should be able to focus on recruiting too. So that's part of the reason I don't think that this early signing period is making that much of a difference. Yeah, that's fair and all. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Orange Fizz and also check out all of our great web content, orangefizz.net. We have our National Signing Day thread up on the site, and there is some great stuff in there. You can also get a lot of our content on SoundCloud as well. We talked with a dozen recruits that were committed in this class of 2015. So be, or rather, class of 2018. I'm losing my dates right here. But uh, we talked to 12 of them of the 15. So be sure to check all that out. Some great content out there. And one of the guys we talked to is Jack Smith, who has a crazy bit, but we'll get to that in just a second. But the big story from National Signing Day for Syracuse, Tyrone Sampson. And, and you touched on it just a little bit ago. Disaster in the Dome. That that was a, a strange, strange situation. Again, this is a still ongoing thing because we don't know what his reasoning for decommitting was. He he wants to take some of the extra visits that he still has in his back pocket, explore some of the other options. And quite frankly, when you look at 24-7 sports and, and some other recruiting sites, it's not looking good for Syracuse, although his high school coach says he still loves SU, but if you loved SU, you would have put the pen to the paper. There are a whole lot of question marks when it comes to Tyrone Sampson. You look at who he's followed on Twitter over the past couple of days. Oh, you're getting Cincinnati uh, coaches, Indiana stuff. coaches, and UNC coaches. And in that same article where his high school coach said he still loves Syracuse, his high school's coach also said that teams closer to home, he's from Michigan, so teams closer to home like Cincinnati and Indiana have both been coming after him pretty hard in the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, he's going to open up, he's going to reopen his recruitment. He's probably going to take a, a visit to Indiana. He'll probably take a visit to Cincinnati. And from how many UNC coaches and UNC-affiliated um, staff members he's followed, he's probably going to take a visit to UNC, too. So there that are a lot of... That doesn't cure the hometown thing, but yeah, no, absolutely. But it, I mean, maybe a higher-level ACC team than Syracuse in North Carolina, even though North Carolina was yeah. awful this year. They have went to the ACC championship game a couple of years ago. Uh, so there, there are some certainly some some pieces and a lot of question marks when it comes to Tyrone Sampson. And, and you think too, what if the in-state people start to see this? Like, oh, Tyrone Sampson, this is a guy in our own backyard, a Michigan, a Michigan State. Those are two great programs in-state that you could go to, and if, they might get involved. If Jim Harbaugh gets involved, yes, we saw it's D- over. The, yes, we saw Dino fend him off last year, but that was late in the process. And we're talking about a guy who is a super skilled, top of his class in terms of his position, the number two center in the nation. And 
Now you've got a guy like Harbaugh chasing after him and, and all the facilities and resources and the tr- crazy trips that the Michigan football program goes on. That's appealing, and that's right in your backyard. How do you turn that down? You, you can't. You really, you're, you, you're an you 18, can't. 19-year-old kid. You know what else he didn't turn down? An invitation to play at the United States Army All-American game. Right. He's got so he, February to decide this. And he's and that game's going to be played in January, so that's going to be a showcase. They have a whole week of practices before, then he's got the game to play in. So he's got a big national showcase to show off his talents to every single every single program that wants to take a look at him. So the saga of Tyrone Sampson is certainly not close to over. Syracuse still in the mix, but maybe, just maybe, on the outside looking in at this point. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. All right, let's take one other uh, – let's spin this positively now, okay? So, yes, you lose out on Tyrone Sampson, but Syracuse also gets a guy who they weren't expecting to get at the beginning of this uh, this National Signing Day. Chance Amy, the quarterback, three-star guy out of Texas, a dual-threat guy, and we've watched his tape. This dude is super impressive. and He's electric. This is what I have to say about Chance Amy coming to Syracuse. Watch out Tommy DeVito. He's got arm strength like pretty much no other quarterback I've seen in the, the last, last couple time, of the, years. The only other guy out of high school that I've seen with arm strength like that is Cardell Jones. And Cardell Jones led Ohio State to a national championship. So you know what? Maybe I'm this not dude's saying dropping sixty-yard bombs on a dime. <laughs> I'm not saying Chance Amy's the second coming of Cardell Jones or that Syracuse is going to be winning the national championship anytime soon. But he has got a lot, a lot of skills, a great skill set, great arm strength. He's pretty accurate. He's got great mobility. He's a, like he's going to be a, a better runner. He's going to be a better runner than Eric Dungy. Right, and he's. I mean, he is three stars. He's not as highly touted as Tommy DeVito, but if this kid impresses in spring and he kind of works his way through things, then maybe he beats out DeVito once Eric Dungy leaves. Because right now, I don't think there's any way that Eric Dungy loses the starting job in spring practice. He might, Maybe he might lose it later in his senior year, but right now he is the unequivocal starter. He is going to start the 2018 season if he is healthy for Syracuse. But Chance Amy is certainly a great piece to have in your back pocket moving forward. And I think the best part, we both saw it, the picture of him committing. He committed alongside Trey <laughs> Allison, who is also coming to Syracuse. And like we said, Chance Amy was originally committed to Houston. And the third guy that they were signing with is was going to Houston. So all of a sudden, Everybody's thinking, all right, Chance Amy signing with Houston. It's going to be two Houston guys and Trey Allison signing at the in Tyler, Texas, where they're both from, went to different high schools, but are from the same town. And then you see the picture. Chance Amy comes in dressed in orange and blue, and this kid in the middle is going <laughs> to Houston and just looks like his dog just ran away from home because he looks so upset that Chance Amy's flipping. So now Trey Allison and Chance Amy are going to Syracuse, and this one kid's heading to Houston. It's a hilarious picture. You've got to look at it. And it went from – what probably would have been a cougar sandwich in that picture to an orange sandwich. So that's certainly making Dino Babers happy. But another thing that I want to hit on here, and we touched on this in our National Signing Day Roundtable, which you can check out on our SoundCloud on Orange Fizz and also on our website, orangefizz.net, is, yes, he's a three-star guy, but three stars in Texas is different than three stars in Michigan. It's a whole different animal. It's kind of like the inverse of the O'Shea Brissette. Right, O'Shea going and playing in Canada, so his his uh, his recruiting rankings kind of go down a little bit because of the competition he's playing against. Meanwhile, Chance Amy's playing against some of the best competition in the entire country, so that's why his numbers go down a little bit. 
O'Shea Brissett has shown that he's one of the most oh, electric yes. <laughs> freshmen in the country. So we'll get to him in a little bit. Chance yeah. Amy can do the exact same thing for Syracuse on the football field. All right, let's switch gears now. Guys who didn't sign. There's three so far in this class. Jack Smith, crazy situation. Check it out on our SoundCloud. He'll explain the whole thing to you. But basically, he didn't have the papers from his coaches and stuff like that. Uh, a strange, bizarre situation. Very, very weird A L- little fishy, but he says he's still all in 100% with Syracuse. Jawar Jordan, Akeem Dixon, both running backs in this class. The only running backs in this class, might I add, as well. They both did not sign. They're both planning on February, but who knows? Between now and then, Jawar Jordan just picked up an offer from Texas. That's That's very very concerning because Tom Herman has convinced boosters at Texas to put in loads of money into that program. They have like the holograms in their locker rooms and all this kind of stuff that they've done. Remember, there's not enough money to pay the players, though. Yep. Not enough. That's a thing. Although, uh, LeVar Ball, now he's got that basketball <laughs> yeah, league. Yeah, LeVar Ball is planning on paying recruits $10,000 a month to play professional basketball before they head to the NBA. Anyways, on Jawar Jordan, uh, that Texas offer, a little bit closer to home. He's playing his high school ball out in Arizona. It's a little bit closer than Central New York. Certainly something to keep your eye on. Meanwhile, Akeem Dixon, he just told us he's just not going to sign yet. He's probably going to want to keep his options open as well. We haven't heard anything about him yet, but Jawar Jordan getting that offer from Indiana, or not Indiana, rather, uh, Texas, kind of a little bit concerning, and a little bit concerning that Syracuse does not have a running back in this class. All right. Uh, We'll save our overall impressions for Fizz Feedback. We threw a question out there about that. So we'll get to that later on in the show. Coming up next, we'll talk a little SU basketball. The Orange off to a blistering start to the season. Is it sustainable and is it tournament worthy? We'll get to that on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Rolling along here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260 on this Saturday morning. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy with you until 10 o'clock today and... We just wrapped up some National Signing Day talk, some good stuff there, and a very eventful day for Syracuse. So if you missed the beginning of that, this entire show is on our SoundCloud page and also on orangefizz.net, so be sure to check it out there. But now let's get into basketball now. This is basketball season. This whole early signing period kind of throws a wrench in that, tries to upstage the whole thing, but college basketball reigns supreme in this area, so... Again, this is being recorded on a late Thursday night. We don't know the details of the Syracuse-St. Bonaventure game, so we're going to speak in kind of generalities here. But I just want to talk about this past week. Buffalo, you win that game 81-74. to West Clark kind of comes out of nowhere. You had no idea that was really coming. Apparently had... <laughs> Jim Beheim knew. Uh, about nobody else involved with Syracuse knew. Uh, we were both at the game. We both had absolutely no idea who West Clark was or that he was even going to be close to academically eligible to play in that game. But he did, and I mean, I'll tell you what, that Buffalo team is a gritty group. Uh, that, they are I'll tell you the, what, that's an impressive win. They are the epitome of the new age of basketball. They play positionless, and they play guard-heavy, and they just have athletes littered all over the floor. Nick Perkins, I think his name is, is yep, that their forward? The big man, yeah. He is probably one of the most athletic and best shooting big men in the country. He's got an ugly stroke, but he's something Ugly, got that. but it goes in. It goes in, and he's strong. You he's, saw him, like, you can't have Mark Dolajai and Pascal Chukwu, two sticks down low, play against a guy like Nick Perkins. And that's kind of worrisome for when we get into ACC play, and they're going against consistent big bodies. Like Marvin Bagley. Yeah, like him. <laughs> yeah, the 
potential player of the year in college basketball, though Trey Young's looking pretty darn good out of Oklahoma, too. Woo, but he's having a huge year. Imagine, like, Nick Perkins is small. He's six foot eight, I think it was. And yeah. imagine when you're going against guys like Bagley, who are 6'10", 6'11", maybe even seven foot, and have the bulk and frame of a guy like like Nick Perkins. And then you're going to throw Pascal Chuku and uh, Marek Dolezal against him. It's not going to end well. And that's kind of why... I coming into this season and we saw the first couple games and Matthew Moyer struggled. There's no secret to it. Matthew Moyer did not look good. It looked like he was going to be in the doghouse, probably not end up starting. He looked like Tyler Roberson. He was the Tyler Roberson of this team. And you look at it. He's got the frame, though. He's got the width. He's got the bulk that guys like Dolajai and guys like Chukwu don't have. And there and that's why I was kind of skeptical saying that Mark Dolajai is going to eventually be the guy because he doesn't have the build that Moyer does. He doesn't have that ACC frame that a guy like Moyer can give you and that bulk that's needed down low against ACC teams. Luckily, he's looked so much better. He over loves the, past the Big few East. Weeks. He loves that old Big East. You look at UConn. You look at Georgetown. He those are two, his two best games of the year. He has been in, in in the Buffalo game. He was incredible in the first half. Oh yeah, before he, he got was hurt, yeah. yeah, he was he had I think it was 10 points, 8 rebounds in the first half. He was an animal. He works so hard. He is the epitome. He is the he, he is the example of a guy that works harder than every single person on the court. Game in, game out, every possession. He'll get he'll dive on the ball, he'll sky for rebounds, he'll bang bodies in the paint. He's a fun player to watch. He's not going to fill up the stat sheet. But he is going to work harder than every single person out there. If the, you if you want a guy that like could have played in the old Big East, Matt Moyer's your guy on this team. When you see his dunks that he does, like the big two hand thunderous pull the legs up, it reminds like, me of the Shaq shoes. Do you remember the old Shaq shoes? I was thinking of those, and I also was thinking they remind me of Dwight Howard. Yep, mm-hmm. how he kicks his legs out like <laughs> no legs, other yeah. person that I've ever seen. And this kid gets hyped when he throws one down. He, every dunk, he, he's pumping the fist every single the time. Fist. The UConn one was deserved because he put the put back down, and then he had a big dunk early in uh, the Buffalo game earlier this week where he was getting the Carrier Dome riled up. He is high energy. He's high octane. He's fun. He's personality. Matt Moyer might out not be the best player on this team, but he's probably the most fun to watch in terms of the kind of plays he puts together. This is just a fun team in general because you look at the pieces. I mean, yes, we, we've kind of criticized Mark Dolajai, and, and it's not his fault. I mean, he's just a skinny he's, guy. He's, he's got, a he, slim person. He's got to bulk up. But, slim I mean, gym. he's fun to watch. He goes out and hustles. Like, even when Matthew Moyer went out in that Buffalo game, Mark Dolajai came in and filled his shoes exactly how you would have wanted to. I think right out of the gate he, he hustled and dove for a ball and then got an offensive rebound and put it back up for two. Uh, he is. Like, that's what he is. He is Matt Moyer without the bulk. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy. Check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Orange Fizz. We've got some great content up from National Signing Day that you're not going to want to miss. So check out all those, including exclusive interviews with a dozen of Syracuse's commits from this past week. All right, let's look at a different player now. We've hit on Matt Moyer, and, and he has been phenomenal in these last couple of games. But O'Shea Brissett. If you're a Syracuse fan now, now you're starting to worry this dude's one and done. Yeah, you're starting to worry a lot because 
one of the things that was going to hold O'Shea Brissett back wasn't the athleticism, wasn't the defense, wasn't the hustle, wasn't the rebounding, wasn't anything like that. It was his three-point shot. He wasn't shooting well to begin the season. And the thing is, too, I mean, you look at a lot of these guys, they don't have necessarily a three-point shot going into the NBA. That's just something you, you pick up and you learn at the NBA level. So well, three-point shooting, three shooting is not going to be the thing that holds him back. And if it was, it's certainly not going to be anymore. He's shooting much better from downtown in the last couple of games. You saw it in the Georgetown game, and you saw it in uh, in this game again, this last game against Buffalo. He has looked much more comfortable, much better from beyond the three point line. I've seen it in practice a couple of times. I've seen him uh, working with Red Autry uh, to develop, kind of or work on his shot. He can knock him down when he's open. He gets a little skittish in the game. That's probably he's not. He needs to slow himself down. That'll make him develop as a three-point shooter. He's been one of the most electric players on this team, if not the most electric, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me of what his his three-point percentage is inside the dome, but I know outside the dome it's hovering around uh, like 35%, and all three of those games have been played in NBA arenas, Kansas, UConn, and Georgetown. And then the rest of the games inside the dome, uh, going into that Buffalo game, I think it was around 24 four 25%. So and the dome I, is notorious the, for the having dome awful shooting. That's what lines. I'm wondering too is that what is what's kind of bothering him and getting in his head. So apparently he he makes them in practice. Yeah, so that, I mean that, he, that's he's got to be what it is. Jim Beheim has said so many times O'Shea is a good shooter that is not making his shots. And as he continues to develop as he continues to get more comfortable, he's going to put up even bigger numbers once he starts knocking down the three ball. He's looked incredible through the first couple of games here for Syracuse. I'm going to blame the Dome on this. I think O'Shea is a much better shooter than what uh, his numbers indicate so far. But he's looking very good. And this is starting to become a real possibility that he's going one and done. because if Which he can is show- so sad because if- watching him and Darius Baisley together would be so much fun. Yeah, that, Imagine that forward combo in, in again, the starting five. This isn't, done, this isn't a set-in-stone thing, but... I mean, it's starting to look dangerous at this point. Uh, you're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy, and okay, so we're, we're looking ahead. Syracuse, for all intents and purposes, a successful non-conference pl- uh, slate. Way so more far. successful than last season. Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Coming off a, a record low last year, but when we look at ACC play, you're going to need to go about 500 to get into the tournament and. The way that the ACC is looking this year, it's looking strong. You got a stretch in, I believe it's February as I'm scrolling through the schedule. Yeah, it is, it's mid to late February. You go at Miami, home against North Carolina, at Duke. Those are right now the four, five, six teams in the nation. Although North Carolina did lose to Wofford, they did. This so they year. are vulnerable. They can be beaten, and that was done in the Dean Dome. So, Wofford also beat, I want to say Georgia Tech too. Yeah, they two and zero against the ACC. There was so. a tweet. There was a tweet I saw yesterday. Uh, after beating North Carolina and Georgia Tech, Wofford is now number one in the ACC with a two and zero record. Uh, so maybe Wofford. Honestly, that will was be, uh, that was a Mike Waters tweet. Maybe so hat, <laughs> hat tip to Mike Waters. Keep maybe, doing your thing. Maybe the Terriers, I think they are. Well, whoever they are, maybe Irrelevant. they'll be joining the Atlantic Coast Conference sometime soon. But all kidding aside, that's definitely going to be a tough ske- uh, tough stretch to get through. Syracuse has shown that they can play play well against pretty good teams. The Kansas game, yeah, they fell apart toward the end, but they played pretty. They played them pretty tough early on. Uh, but you know, there's a lot to be there's a lot to like about this Syracuse team. 
The first couple of games in ACC play, the Georgia Techs, or the, not the Georgia Techs, the Virginia Techs and the Wake Forests and the Florida States are going to be real tests for this team to show exactly what they are. Yeah, and, and I think these first five games are your most important games. These are going to be the ones that determine whether or not you're going to go 500. I'll, I'll list them off right here. You hit it right there. Virginia Tech, then you go to Wake Forest, home against Notre Dame, at Virginia, at Florida State. I mean, you're looking at at least three ranked teams right there because Florida State's looked very good in the early going. They just lost their first game last weekend. Yeah, and they got a big win against Florida earlier in the year, so they're a legit team. They know that they should be ranked. Virginia's always tough, especially the way Tony Bennett's got that pace of play. Kyle Guy's one of the most underrated Absolutely. ACC players. Notre Dame's a good team again. Mike, Mike Bray, Bray does his thing. And then right out of the gate, you got to take care of business. Virginia Tech, and then you got to go on the road and beat Wake Forest. And so. Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech is no slouch of a coach either. He right. probably is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He does not get enough credit for what he does with that Virginia Tech team year in and year out. you you got to take care of business these first couple of games because – I mean, after that, you get Pitt and then Boston College at home, and then you get Pitt again. But, I mean, BC, they took down Duke. <laughs> they've <laughs> like, still got Kai Bowman, so they can do anything. They, they've got some good players on that team. All right, let's take a break on the other side. We're going to talk with Kadir White, Syracuse's top recruit in the class of 2018 for football, just signed his national letter of intent with the Orange on Wednesday, we'll get his thoughts on all of that and more. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, Tyler Rocky alongside J.D. Rauchy with you here until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook. Find us on the iTunes Podcast Center, Orange Fizz, if you want to keep up to date with all the latest happenings. And as always, you can find our great web content online at orangefizz.net. Got a special treat for you right now. We're joined on the line by Syracuse's top commit in the class of 2018. It's Kadir White, the offensive tackle out of the Bronx. Kadir, thanks so much for joining us. First of all, congrats on your commitment to Syracuse and when you finally put that pen to the paper, what did it mean to you to know that you were going to play for the Orange next season? Uh, thank you, man. It feels really great, you know, me and my family and friends and everybody that's been, you know, with me throughout my whole process, been waiting for this moment. And, yeah, you know, I'm grateful and humble, you know, to go to college for free, you know, and play, you know, next play on the next level. Yeah. And Kadir, uh, what was your kind of recruiting process like? What made you uh, decide to come to Syracuse? Um, my recruiting process it was, it was a long one. You know, I had a, you know a lot of schools looking at me, and I had to break it down. But Syracuse, you know, they showed the most love out of everyone. They they basically you know out recruited every other college that wanted me, and I felt the need from them. And especially, you know, family-wise, too. Like, Syracuse, you know, they're they, they big on family. And, yeah. So you're from the Bronx. You're, you're a New York guy. How important was it for you to stay in state and pick a school like Syracuse? Um, it, was, it was real great, you know, to play for my state, you know. You know, put on for New York, New York you know, in general. It's real good to do that. And, yeah. Thank you, dear. Uh, you know, you're a four-star recruit by some, a three-star recruit by by some others, but certainly probably without Tyrone Sampson now, the top recruit in this class. What what do you what does your game bring to Syracuse? 
uh, you know, my, my game will bring a lot to Syracuse, you know. I just got to, you know, work hard when I get out there, just compete and do whatever I can to help the program. And, yeah. And what has the coaching staff told you about your role with the Orange? Um, I've been talking to Coach Babies. He's been telling me he wanted me to probably start early, but I haven't decided yet. I got to see when I get there and, and what fits me the best. And now you're the top recruit in this class, and it was supposed to be you and Tyrone and the, being offensive linemen. What kind of a responsibility does that put on the guys up front, knowing that you yourself, you're the top guy in this class as an offensive lineman? You know, that, that put a lot on me, you know, because, you know, we got we to gotta pave the way for everyone else. We, you know, to get a lead. And so the big news from signing day is Tyrone Sampson is reopening his recruitment. And, I mean, it's a huge blow to the class. It was supposed yeah. to be you and him kind of the top dogs in this mm-hmm. thing and, and paved the way for the future. I just want to know, have you talked to him at all? And what's kind of happened now? What's the morale like with the class now? Um, I have not spoken with him, but, you know, I know I know the toughest decision on his part. You know, I would respect him as a man because at the end of the day, you got to do what's right for you and your family. But, you know, for now, you know, you just got to keep going for it. And, yeah. And what what was your relationship like with Tyrone? Now, um, we were, you know, we were cool. Uh, I met him for the first time on my official when I went up to Syracuse. And uh, do you think there's a chance that he comes back to the Orange? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. I haven't been, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Talking with Kadir White here on Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki and J.D. Rauchi. Now, Kadir, um, what should Syracuse fans know about you off the field? Uh, off the field, you know, I'm a, I'm a big foodie. I love to cook. And, yeah. It's one thing they should know. <laughs> What's your best dish? What's the best thing that you can cook? Uh, steak. steak. Any any type of steak, uh, filet mignon. Ooh. Uh, aged steak. That's one of my favorites. You know, just need a pinch of salt and pepper. Throw it in a boiler and you're good to go. Uh, what else? I love making lamb chops, lamb shanks, uh, Big chicken, <laughs> pretty much everything. <laughs> man, we're going to need you to start cooking for us, man. We don't yeah. get the same good food out here anymore. But uh, I'm sure you'll be cooking for some of the other guys on the team and hopefully cooking some stuff up for the uh, offense as well, man. That sounds like some yeah. good stuff. So is, yeah. you you a big food channel guy? Food Network? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. <laughs> favorite channel. <laughs> what, 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 what's your favorite show on there? Uh, dinner, Drive, and Dive. Oh, little Guy Fieri, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta get your you gotta get yourself out to Funkin' Waffles out here in Syracuse. He's been there a couple of times. Oh, yeah, uh, I've been to uh, Dinosaur Barbecue. Yeah, up there, mm-hmm. real real great. Yeah, how does yeah, that actually, compare? We actually got one in the city, but it's not. That's like right. Yeah. There, oh yeah. So, uh-huh. so what do you know really about the this area, the Syracuse area, in terms of food, culture, all that type uh, of stuff? I've been up there. Uh, a couple of times, my dad used to work up there. About you know, three to four years ago, he used to work up there, and I used to go with him. You know, it's, it's a nice town, and you know, it's a nice small city, and I, I like it. So, have you been to a couple Syracuse games before you were getting heavily involved uh, recruiting wise? No, never. 
Okay. Um, and, and then what what are you looking forward to most about playing for Syracuse? Uh, you know, I'm just looking forward, you know, to just play on that next level, you know, and compete, you know, against other, you know, great teams in the ACC. And I believe, you know, we're we the best conference, and yeah. And then kind of last question here. You're kind of part of this culture change leading the way in this 2018 class. How does the class of 2018 expect to get SU back to its winning ways, back to kind of the mountaintop that they used to be at? Uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be a process. You know, we just got to follow this process. We're eventually going to get there, and yeah. All right, Kadir White, the top recruit in the class of 2018, offensive lineman looking to anchor down in the trenches for SU. Kadir, thanks so much for your time, and next time you're up here, you got to cook me something, uh-huh. all right? Got you. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, man. Uh, Great stuff there from Kadir White, as always. We thank them for their time. If you want to check out more interviews like that, we've got them up on our SoundCloud page on orangefizz.net, and also if you find us on SoundCloud on Orange Fizz, we've got all of our interviews from our National Signing Day special, so you can check them out all there. We've got a dozen up there right now, so there's some great web content, and we've also got some exclusive stuff on there as well. Jack Smith, his whole situation is all sorted out on our interview with him on our SoundCloud page, so be sure to check that out. Give it a listen, like, and all that good stuff. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll wrap this show up. It's time for Fizz Feedback. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. All right, let's wrap things up here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki, J.D. Rauchy. Time for some Fizz Feedback here. I threw three questions, three polls, rather, out on Twitter Got your responses. See what you guys out there in Fizz Nation are gathering from the pulse of SU Sports. All right, first one. How would you grade Syracuse's National Signing Day from this past Wednesday? A, B, C, or D slash F went B, the front dog, at 63%. That's followed by C at 23%, A, 13%, and then a D slash F for 1%. I'm not sure who was voting for D slash F because it was certainly not that. Well, I'll... I'll say this, and yes, there's always the the Twitter trolls out there, but you lose your top recruit. Yeah, that's going to go down. That's going to go down as a failure for some people. I just think that's a little silly. I think it's harsh. Number one, one, he's not gone yet. Number two, I really like what Dino Babers did with the rest of this class. He got a lot of. He filled a lot of needs. He filled the safety need. He filled the linebacker need. He filled the wide receiver need. He filled every single need that you could possibly think of, aside from maybe offensive line, but he's still got Kadir White. I'll say this. You can't give them an A. You can't. No, I don't think you can either. I'd give it a low B, high C. I'd give them a pretty solid B. I'd give them like for their bo- 84, but the body of work. The body of work on National Signing Day is you lost your top guy, and that's kind of what it's going to go down as. Yeah, and I think another thing Yes, that he's would- not gone, but you, you look at the body of work on National Signing Day. That's what happened. Sure, if that's really what we're going to all get hung up on. But I think we got to look at the rest of these guys. You look at the guys like Chance Amy. Didn't know he was coming. You got right. him. That's great. Trey Allison is another great linebacker. Andre Sisco and Cameron Jonas both fill the safety need. Then you got Queeley and Taj Harris, two electric wide receivers and athletes. And then my favorite guy in this class, Trill Williams, can play any position on the field, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, whatever you want him to play. Safety. He's coming in as a defensive back. He's going to play corner. 
I think you filled so many needs in this class. I think though to get up to an A rank, an A, an A grade, number one, you got to hang on to Tyrone Sampson, and number two, you got to get me more than one four-star guy. That's the fact of the matter. If you want to get an A class for the Syracuse and football team, and you did just say all that without Ed Hendricks too. He's another great receiver. I didn't even see the receivers are just incredible. There's there's a lot to like about this Syracuse football class. Next up. Syracuse football is blank amount of years out from a bowl appearance. One, two, three, or more, and that's exactly how it rounded out. One, by far taking the cake at 73%, two at 15 and three or more at 12%. So, And then just reading in some of the comments, I got one from at Ian underscore Howman. One, maybe two, they're getting there, but still need to learn to play healthy and consistent. Yes, again, of course. It's you don't really the, learn to play healthy. But. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but again, this is the, the Dino Babers mantra. We want to be consistently good, not occasionally great, and these recruits get that. Yeah, and I think they I, – I tend to agree with Fizz Nation. I You're tend to agree one. with them. I'd say one. I thought they could it have was... gotten to a bowl game with the roster they had this year. I do too. Then Dungy goes down, the defense implodes. So, if again, they can be a little bit more consistent, they can stay healthy like Ian Howman said, then this team has the capability of getting to a bowl. You need five, at least five, probably six wins to get into a bowl. And listen, maybe they're going to be playing in the – Mowers Gasparilla Bowl next year. I don't think Syracuse cares what bowl they play in. If they're playing postseason football, then all the power to them. I will say this: you didn't do yourselves any favors on the schedule too by scheduling an LSU. Like, it's fine. You got to go out and schedule some of those other Power Five teams, but why not a Vanderbilt? Why not something like that? I mean, you're challenging yourself these next couple of years too. You got Notre Dame coming up next. Notre season. Dame. You originally had Wisconsin, although that's canceled now. But I mean. You're going out and challenging yourselves against some pretty good teams, so you got to keep the schedule in mind too. You don't want to get over ambitious with that until you are definitively one of those programs. All right, last one that I got on the table for you here, JD. Has Syracuse basketball's early performances made you believe they are tournament bound? A, absolutely. B, could see it not sold. C, still work to do. Or D, not at all. Here's how it, it all shapes out. Could see it not sold. The leader in the clubhouse at 45%, absolutely at 34%. Still work to do at 20% and 1% saying no, not at all. No, that, that not seems at right all. About, that seems... No, not at all, again, I think is a little yeah, probably I... Twitter trolly. But, uh, again, I think I've kind of picked with Fizz Nation for the first two. I'm going to go chalk, and I'm going to pick with Fizz Nation again here. I think Syracuse has shown a lot of really good stuff. I think Tyus Battle has looked like one of the best players in the ACC. He's going to need to continue to look like that if Syracuse wants to play well in the conference and make the tournament. I think O'Shea Brissett has stepped up and has shown that he is one of the most underrated freshmen in the country. And I think that Matt Moyer has shown flashes of brilliance. So that's the reasons I think they would get into the tournament. The reasons I don't think they could is what we talked about earlier. The Mark Dolajai and Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe. You need to be healthy. You need to be healthy and you need to be a little bit bigger if you really want to compete. Because think about it. We talked about Marvin Bagley. How about Ben Lammers from Georgia Tech? Yeah, he's a guy a big like boy, that. Man. He's a big man and he's going to manhandle this team in the on the interior. Those are some of the reasons I think they might not get in. So I like the, like it said, I think they might but I'm not 100% sold yet. 
And, and looking at some of the, the comments, too. Need Sidibe to get healthy to ensure a decent seed, but I think they're dancing and they're worthy. Still have work to do. 500 in the ACC should do it. I agree with that for the most part. The one thing I'd flip in the order of these, I'd say still work to do should be second, not absolutely. I think. Yeah, I think absolutely is a little bit overzealous. But Barama Sidibe is certainly a concern moving forward. We failed to mention that he did not play against Buffalo, so it's certainly something to keep an eye on for the rest of the schedule. Yeah, and Syracuse has had pretty good health these last couple of years, so that's going to need to change if Syracuse wants to see basketball deep into March. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For J.D. Rauchy, I'm Tyler Rocky. Have a great and safe holiday, SU Nation. Look forward to seeing you next week here on Fizz Radio. Have a great holiday.